I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I mean, at the end of the day, we're all about the customer journey and the 360-degree view of that customer. The deep analytics and insights that you can yield from data when you apply certain methodologies, technologies, and, and models and a combination of alternative data and AI working together in unison with data sets that the Bureau has to deliver something powerful. That's kind of how One Data Pipe was born with the vision of serving emerging markets to solve the, the problem of financial inclusion. 70% of Latin America would be considered underbanked. At the end of every episode, I encourage you to reach out and connect with me on LinkedIn. And from time to time, listeners do, which always makes me happy. And on very rare occasions, I'll even hear from a listener in a work meeting, which makes me even happier. But once, and only once, I've been recognized by voice. Now, I assume Mike Holmes had known I was at the University of Edinburgh's credit scoring and credit control conference. I'd publicized my attendance on the show, and perhaps he had just been looking for me, but I'm willing to round that up to being my first real celebrity experience. But our subsequent conversation has created something of a dilemma for me. Pulling in one direction is the fact that I learned he listens to the show while swimming at the gym. So if an episode runs over about 20 minutes, every extra minute is risking him either overtraining or worse, drowning. Pulling in the other direction is the fact that this episode features his boss, who is talking about cutting-edge AI applications, about improving access to credit, especially in emerging markets, and about data-driven lending strategies. Three topics I just can't hear enough about. So stay tuned right to the end to hear how far we push Mike today. Welcome to How to Lend Money to Strangers with Brendan LeGrange. Carrie Anderson, CEO and co-founder at One Data Pipe, welcome to the show. Thanks, Brendan. It's good to be here. Carrie, when I started my career around the turn of the century, I was just starting to become aware of terms like AML and KYC. But for me, I think of KYC being a 2010s plus phenomenon. But actually, looking at your LinkedIn, you were well ahead of that curve already director of Global AML and KYC back in 1999. So before we talk about what you're doing now with One Data Pipe and AI, would you mind starting a little bit further back in your career and just talking to me about how you got there? Yeah, sure, Brendan. I grew up in Melbourne, and then after I finished my university degree in economics, like a lot of Australians, I went to uh, London and and started my career there accidentally in data at a company called 192.com. We were involved in all different types of data, but really what kicked it off for me that led me down the identity verification path and KYC was, I guess, the events of 9-11. 
after 9-11, the Patriot Act was introduced. And then from that, we started hearing terms like anti-money laundering and counter-terrorist financing. And soon after that, you know, know your customer became a, a pretty common term. And one of the requirements was electronic identity verification. So the data that we were using combined with the electronic verification requirements under KYC became the base of a, of a solution that we developed. And 192.com was one of the, the pioneers in that space. So that led me on my path to uh, electronic verification in general, which then opened the doors to many things later in life. Yeah, and some of those many things were an entry into entrepreneurship several times over, actually. And so I'm not going to try and pass out all your many ventures, but maybe we could just talk a little bit about that. What inspired you to move from the life of an employee to your first startup? After Wadden92.com, I jumped across the pond to Washington, D.C., where I worked at Integrity. And, you know, I saw some really good things happening and I saw markets opening up and I saw this whole industry just, you know, becoming a very global phenomenon in terms of people having to have these infrastructures in place in every business to be able to understand their customer and safely onboard them. So, My experience told me that from the UK to the US, I could maybe do my own version of this. So I went back to Australia and I started up Global Data Company. We were a very small company to start with, but with a very big global vision. So we were the first company, I believe, to reach 50 countries that could um, safely onboard clients under the KYC legislation. And that sort of put me, uh, I guess, in, in in the global stage when it came to identity verification. And, you know, really we were focused on that for 10 to maybe even 12 years. And at a certain point in time, being young, we got a tap on the shoulder and someone offered us at the time what we thought was a lot of money. And so, you know, we we did an exit and probably too early, to be honest, because that product, which was called Global Gateway, went on to be uh, purchased by Trulio, who are probably the biggest company in the world today for client onboarding and KYC. That product, Global Gateway, is still their foundational product, but zero regrets. And, you know, that led the the way to other things moving forward. And then I went to help LexisNexis Risk Solution and had a really good time doing that and enjoyed the consulting aspect. And then I got to the point where I I wanted to get back into the game. And uh, that sort of leads me down the path to my introduction to Lawrence Smith and how we collectively decided that we were going to do a project together. And that's really the beginning of uh, One Data Pipe. Yeah, and One Data Pipe, where insights become decisions in seconds. So, And we're going to get into the nuts and bolts about what that means and how you apply cutting-edge AI to make that sort of speed of decision possible. But before we get into that, let's stay at that high level for a moment. What is One Data Pipe and where do you fit into this quickly uh, evolving landscape? Yeah, so as the name suggests, we are one big data pipe with a lot of information flowing through it and fused with AI to produce some high-value analytic products coming out the other end. You know, we're looking at big data and lots of information happening in real time and delivering scores that have some impact on being able to make a decision in rapid speed. So identity verification is a component of it, but it delves much more into the deep analytics and insights that you can yield from data when you apply certain methodologies, technologies and, and models. And so what I wanted to do in this venture was look at the bigger picture and not be so pigeonholed with products that were compliance related and 
the other part of that was that, you know, I'd been intrigued by emerging markets and most of my experience prior to this was in established economies, the UK, Australia and the US. I wanted a solution that would fit into Latin America, Southeast Asia and even MENA eventually. And that's kind of how One Data Pipe was born to solve the problem of financial inclusion. In the last few decades, if you were at the cutting edge of regulation of IT capabilities, of analytical tools and techniques, you were serving the biggest lenders in the most established, most developed markets. And only then when they're dealing with their more sophisticated clients, you were limited mainly to, to the, the tip of the pyramid in the, in the first world. But now we can apply some things that are really cutting edge from a technological point of view into developing markets around the world. And as you said, for one data pipe, that's not just coincidence. It's a, a core part of the philosophy. So maybe I'm going to jump out of the, the narrative here and talk about that. If you think about one data pipe's global reach and this bigger issue of how AI is helping increase financial inclusion, how is that different compared to what it might have been just 10 years ago where you're trying to solve the same sort of problems? Yeah, I mean, back in the day, you know, we were doing a lot of data matching and a lot of manual intervention in some of that modeling and, you know, meshing together huge data sets to form these solutions for identity verification purposes. And the complexity of dealing with such large data sets with limited tools was one of the challenges at the time. So I guess moving forward, a great number of those problems anyway have disappeared now with the introduction of, of AI and the introduction of other technologies that support being able to synchronise and being able to model this unstructured data and do things in lightning speed that would have taken us weeks, if not months, back in the day. So there's been a, a dramatic shift. Yeah, and I, I think back to one of my earlier jobs, maybe it was 15 years ago, there was a project where we needed to do some analytics because some some numbers had gone uh, awry. And one of the genuine suggestions of how to get the data we needed was that there was a room upstairs that was filled with printouts of the old credit card uh, statements. Um, and to be going through those and kind of capturing data from slips of paper and then trying to build databases. And yeah, 15 years later, we, we've, we've leapfrogged all of that and we don't have to worry about that being the prospect we face if we're going to a new market, which, yeah, I think is really exciting. And just as a global industry gives us so many more areas where uh, innovation might pop up that's useful for us, because equally, it means that things that work in emerging markets can benefit developed markets too. But let's go back to, to one data pipe. As you said, you built that with Lauren Smith, and this is powered by Provenir AI. So people who may not yet know the one data pipe name probably no provenir. How did that come to be and, and how do these two businesses uh, interact? Yeah, so One Data Pipe is part of the Provenir group. And when I met Lawrence or, or Larry, as everyone refers to him, you know, he had a strong passion for AI and I had a strong passion for data. And so we shared a similar vision in what we wanted to do, which was a big project that reached global markets and that had a combination of alternative data and AI working together in unison to deliver something powerful. At that time, we weren't quite sure of exactly what the outcome would be, but we felt comfortable that we were on the same page enough to kick off in uh, the start of 23. 
And the relationship really has been wonderful for me as a CEO because Lawrence opened up the door to Provenir in terms of all their wonderful resources from legal and from financial and accounting and obviously the AI team that he'd already had existing in Provenir. So really a plethora of wonderful resources. So when I looked at the project, it wasn't really a startup. It was really an extension of the Provenir business to a degree with my flavour and Lawrence's flavour. Our actual real name is Provenir Data Inc., but we trade as one data pipe. And, you know, we're the sister company within the Provenir group. And, um, you know, a lot of thanks goes to Larry for, for supporting that initiative. One data pipe is highly complex AI customer analytics simplified. So a hugely big ask. So what does that one data pipe product look like? I mean, at the end of the day, we're all about the customer journey and the 360-degree view of that customer with more than 500 unique attributes that belong to an individual is a pretty powerful position to be in. And from there, we can do some wonderful things to create products. You know, we look at our solution in terms of layers, really, before we even get to scores. And at the start, we kind of take the identity of someone and we look at if that is secure or if it is prone to any fraudulent activity. So the first layer is secure ID and fraud. And the data points can include things like digital footprints, web screening, phone, email, IP risks, other stability behavior controls that we stare at and we analyze. We're trying to prevent that fraudulent activity that happens at the start of the customer journey. Things like account takeovers or stolen identities, synthetic IDs, which are very prone in the market today, individuals that have no intent to pay from the ID and the fraud screening, where we move to someone's income. We look at how stable that income is. And it's very difficult in some of these emerging markets to obtain access to some of that data. So we have a combination of actual data that we source from government and different data providers. And then we infer some of that other information and we use things like actual income, household income, someone's job history or their, their tenure. We also take into account things like people being paid in the gig economy. And we also model all of these data points against the national average of what that job title looks like in different geographic areas so that we can get a, a median range and factoring things like social security and insurance into those. So I think we've done a really good job in the solution. In fact, an excellent job of, of income estimation, in my opinion. I just actually saw this week on LinkedIn and uh, I've forgotten who I saw it from. So uh, forgive me for, for not attributing it. But somebody was talking about how in India, it's still standard practice to say if you haven't worked at the same employer for three years, then you won't get credit. And those sort of across-the-board rules were leaving so many people out. And even when you included them, that's three years of one payment slip. But you've got all the rest of it to try and consider, particularly when you're talking multi-generational households. It was a wildly complicated problem that we would often just say, no, I, I don't know how to solve the problem. So we're just going to put in place some some sort of really rigid rules. Yes, yeah, certainly. And, and like I said, at the backbone of any decision is fundamentals and, and that income it plays a very important role. For example, in Brazil at the moment, we have data on 99% of the adult population. We've done some really clever modelling. And when it comes to income estimation, we are able to make very accurate predictive models on income, which hasn't been done before. 
where it's highly accurate and, you know, we feel like that's a massive leap forward in, in financial services. Yeah, I mean, you'll know this as well, but I don't think that's been done in the US at that sort of scale either. So this is one of those examples, I think, of technologies and use cases that can be applied going back into the big developed markets as well. I agree. And then, you know, from the income, you sort of delve into the, the credit assessment layer. This layer is a little bit different from region to region, you know, so in Brazil, we actually work with the credit bureaus. There is quite a big participation rate compared to other regions of the world, believe it or not, especially after COVID. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So when it comes to credit assessment, we use a combination of alternative and traditional credit modelling. So we actually partner with bureaus in country in Brazil to be able to access some of that traditional credit data. But in other parts of the world, like Indonesia, we, we're partnered with the MNOs, the telco providers, and we'll be using those telco data points to be able to calculate someone's credit assessment and credit risk. There's a, a wealth of information outside of the Bureau with these days that help find those people that are in file credit, if you like, or off the grid to the credit bureau, which is a, still a great majority in many parts of Latin America and it's still a very big percentage of, of what we're calling underbanked or, or underserved in some countries. But within that credit layer, we're looking at an individual's mortgage or their rent, their mobile phone payments, their utility bills, do they have credit cards, do they have retail store cards, have they been in the collections process combine it with data sets that the Bureau has to form that credit assessment. And that's how we form um, the next part of the solution, which is really the, the credit trust score. Being able to tell a bank or a fintech or any financial institution that you've missed out on this opportunity and this opportunity is this individual that we can tell you more about is something that hasn't been done before. So we, we call it the financial inclusion score. But, you know, really what we're doing there is we're looking at all of the profiles across Brazil, so taking into account the entire population, and we're clustering that that population into six to seven different groups, and we're looking at the behaviour of all of those different groups through our modelling and through our analytic, looking at things like their lifestyle, and we're comparing them to lifestyles that are similar in that group and looking at other groups, looking at the distance and the gap, and that's a way in which we can determine that that individual is capable and once they've gone through our customer journey, like I mentioned at the start, layer one, layer two, layer three, 
once they've met all those criteria and then we can finally determine that there is a gap, meaning there's a propensity to consume more, we can then calculate that person's financial inclusion score and tell the bank that this person isn't fraudulent, is safe, does have a good income, does also have a credit assessment and is in a position to consume more financial products. And the banks have not had that information to date. And that's what we call the financial inclusion score, which we think might be a game changer when it comes to connecting the underbanked to the financial products and services that they need to thrive. You know, they can better their lives. New markets open. More competition is is available. New products and exciting vendors that feed into these products are, are, are spawn. And, you know, the industry should come alive, especially for emerging markets that have been laying dormant for too long because there's just been no data and no analytics on really individuals that are somewhat qualified. And if not somewhat qualified, maybe very qualified. They're just not on the radar of these financial institutions. Because the old model would have been, well, I know nothing about this person. So my options are one, to build a product that's really limited in exposure and then we can all look and see how they perform. Or two is just saying, well, fine, let's take a gamble. Whereas you're saying, here's a fully described person, build them a product, build them many products, serve their needs. You can provide all the services to the consumer from day one, and that acceleration of uh, competition and all the benefits that brings. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think it's a game changer. And I think what's interesting is we, as we looked at the financial inclusion score more, we, we realised how important lifestyle was as well as behaviour. And that sort of led us down to something we're developing at the moment, which is really based on geographical behaviour and customer blueprints for more targeted marketing strategies. We derive a lot of this information directly from the mobile someone's behavior on that phone and their choices and their lifestyle patterns and gleaning all that information from the mobile, which is all anonymized data at one point. Um, And what we do is we take that anonymized data and because of population data that we have and the national coverage that we have, we can tie them together and geographically link that information. So we really understand the population's lifestyle attributes better So now, you know, once they're in the organisation, how do we do cross-channel mapping for the customer journey? How do we provide a much more tailored experience for that individual? And I think that's only going to become more interesting as we get access to more of this, we call it infinity data. Yeah, well, I think it's also worth just underlining that fact. Obviously, the name suggests this too, but one data pipe, you also understand and bring the data. So this is all about taking the data and also then turning it into decisions. Yeah. I mean, we certainly need to have products as a company because that's how we achieve revenue. But we certainly also want to have an open mind and be very analytic focused and very customer focused. So where we are today, you probably won't be where we are in 24 months. You know, we'll, those products will broaden and those products will also be more tailored towards the customer feedback that we get in both those regional markets, Latin America and Southeast Asia. But at the end of the day, a score is a way of wrapping all that information around to to simply deliver to an institution that can then act on it. But behind that score sits an amazing amount of analytics and AI that is is doing wonderful things that we haven't been able to do up until the last few years. Yeah, and I want to pick up on that or just sort of benefit from your experience of building this AI-based company. You get to see 
all the various options and all the ways and try out different ways of applying AI to new problems. So from your point of view, what is AI's role in moving us beyond the sort of traditional data-centric paradigm that we've been working in? Good question. And I know we're all grappling with the concept of AI and how it impacts us in different ways and business is no different. It plays an integral role with us. At the end of the day, what what it's done for us is accelerate real-time insights. And it certainly allowed us to advance the capabilities of general analysis, interpretation, and rapid decision-making pattern recognition and analysis, being able to, I guess, have a deeper understanding of the information so that we can make an informed decision and leading into the predictive analytics. That's really where the machine learning kicks in, being able to understand trends and behaviours from not only current but historical data is, is really a leap forward, especially when it comes to lots of unstructured data like text documents or social media posts, customer feedback forms, just really looking at a holistic view of information across the board, what we call advanced data processing. And, you know, that sort of delves into deep learning and being able to process large volumes of diverse and unstructured data to really personalise that customer experience through the products. One of the areas that I think AI has done a really good job where we didn't do a good job as human intervention was detect anomalies. You know, some of those anomalies had just literally not been on our radar and the irregularities that are across the board in data weren't visible to us previously. So having less reliance on that manual intervention and having more reliance on things that can pick up those anomalies has put us in a whole different ball game. And, you know, many people also say that it's just enhanced data security in general across the board. So I guess at the end of the day, you know, we've got better analytic capabilities, we've got better predictive modelling, we've got more automation, and we've got the ability to extract richer insights. Carry on onedatapipe.com slash contact, so one, the numeral one data pipe. You talk about transforming your metrics in under two seconds. That's a fundamental shift, and it may even sound slightly impossible to some people listening. But you back that up with experts I see available to chat and answer questions, but also the ability to book a demo. So if somebody is listening who would like to learn more about what you're doing, but in particular would like to see with their own eyes how this happens, and what might be possible that you know, they couldn't imagine just a while ago. How do they go about getting a conversation going, about starting this process to, to see it for themselves and learn more? Yeah, and, and you're right. The best way is, is to see it and witness it yourself. When we talk about this, it, it all sounds very powerful and, and very futuristic, but this is actually a live solution, and it, it, everything we've been talking about is, is in practice today, uh, all through a single API, which is even more amazing. And when we talk about a two-second decision, that's an SLA that we commit to in contract. So everything we've discussed today from layer one, two, three, four, five, and even the integration into any bank, big or small, is less than 10 minutes. As long as someone can digest the API and the input, you know, the solution can be running in, in less time than it takes to watch the, the regular news. It's incredible the amount of speed. Talk to one of our consultants. We can set up a demo and, more importantly, we can do two things. We can either do a batch test so that the clients can have a look at the, uh, the coverage, the depth, the attributes and the scores themselves and then more importantly, we can set up uh, an API test where we can have a live link going within 
like I said, 10 minutes to your organization where you can query the data, you can pull back the uh, profiles, and you can also receive the scores. And we can then discuss how that impacts different use cases within your organization and, you know, what you're trying to achieve out of uh, the solution. But at One Data Pipe, you know, I think the most important thing is to get the demo underway so that you can witness everything that we've talked about today and then see it and feel it for yourself. So we're in Brazil at the moment and we launch in Indonesia on February the 14th. And then at the end of Q1, we launch in Thailand. And at the start of Q2, we launch in the Philippines. In Q2, we also launch in Mexico and Colombia and in Q3, Vietnam and Malaysia. So we have a lot of focus on Latin America and then even more focus on the Southeast Asia region. But um, our roadmap does extend to other countries beyond those two regions. And, you know, we're excited to see where we where we end up in uh, the next 12 to 24 months. Yeah, that's awesome. I've uh, very fond memories working in the Philippines, in Thailand, in Malaysia. So I'll uh, reach out to some of my friends there to make sure they're having a look. Carrie, but one last thing before I let you go. We are recording this in January so it would be remiss of me if I wasn't to ask you about plans for, for things to come. One Data Pipe is a new company growing quickly, changing quickly. What's on the horizon for you beyond the market expansion that you already mentioned? The one thing that we want to foster is a, a very strong team collaboration. We have a diverse range of, of really highly intelligent people in the company. and We want to keep growing that fundamental basis of only recruiting the best and I said earlier that we wanted to have an impact in emerging markets. I'd really like the company to involve itself in some of those regions outside of the the revenue and the product discussion points and be involved in some of those uh, more community-based efforts because it's all very well to say you're going to do one thing, but you know most companies are there for one reason, and that is to um, earn revenue. I, I don't want us to be known as just that focus. I'd like us to have an impact and you know give, give a bit back in both those regions of the world. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to seeing how you do that on both fronts. So many lenders for so long have been wanting to expand access to credit. They just didn't have a reasonable means of doing it at scale. So I think this really could accelerate change, make a big difference for lenders, for borrowers and the communities they obviously operate in. So, yeah, Kerry, thank you again for making the time. And I wish you the best of luck in the new year as you uh, take on all the work to expand around the world. I, I really appreciate you taking the time to reach out, Brendan. And thank you all for listening. Please do look for and follow the show on your favorite podcast platform and share the updates widely on LinkedIn where lending nerds are found in our largest concentration. Plus, send me a connection request while you're there. This show is written and recorded by myself, Brendan LaGrange, in Brighton, England. Show music is by I Am Wake, and you can find show notes and written transcripts at www.howtolendmoneytostrangers.show or just www.htlmts.show. And I'll see you again next Thursday. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.